You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us and we should treat them the same way with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. If you have an upcoming summer trip abroad, my go-to travel hack is Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or embarking on your first adventure, that's where Babbel comes in. It's the language learning app that's sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Theo. That's babble.com slash Theo for up to 55% off your subscription. Babble language for life. I have a new tour date to announce. Uh, just got back from Phoenix, but I'm announcing right now Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on July 14th at Kinsman Park, the great outdoors comedy festival. That'll be interesting. It's outdoors. And so I'm real curious about that. Uh, we will be putting up other shows in Canada as well over time, uh, but we are excited to make that work July 14th. Get tickets starting Wednesday, May 3rd at 10 a.m. Mountain Time with code RATKING. General on sale starts Friday, May 5th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. I will also be coming to Guilford, New Hampshire, July 20th, Windsor, Ontario, August 18th, Niagara Fall Falls, Ontario, on August 20th, and Toronto, Ontario, on August 27th. Those are Canada. Get all your tickets at theovon.com slash T-O-U-R for your best price on tickets. We now have Be Good to Yourself crewnecks available in light blue, maroon, and cement. That embankment gang color, you know it. Check these out along with the new windbreaker at theovonstore.com. And thank you for your support. Today's guest is a uh, multi-talented man. He's a buffet of talent. He's the meat. He's the salad. He's the pudding. He's the tots. He's got it all. He's an actor. He's a creator. Um, you may know him from his iconic role on The Office. Uh, he has a new book out called Soul Boom. Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. Uh, he also has a new travel show um, that'll be coming out soon. You can check that out called The Geography of Bliss. Uh, he made me laugh and uh, just made me happy so many times in my life. I'm grateful to sit and talk with him today. Today's guest is Rain Wilson.
pretty nice here. Oh, I think I look great. Yeah, I look great. I got a lot of beverages. Oh, yeah. Am I okay to have this on camera? Will, yeah. Will they sue you? Nope. You'll be fine. Hey, man. In all truth, like it's such a pleasure to meet you, and I've been just dying at your stuff for years. I know you get this all the time, but like in all truth, like it was so surprised. Like Theo Vaughn wants you in the show. Like what? Um, I'm just I'm a huge huge fan. So, really? Oh man, I I have just chortled at your ridiculous brain for for many years, and uh, for real. Yeah. Wow, man, that's awesome, bro. No, for real. I but no, I, I I'm yeah. trying to I'm honestly trying to genuinely drop in and uh and hear that and it, take it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really nice of you to say. Yeah, I um, just did uh, Bert Kreischer's. Oops, I just did Bert Kreischer's the other day, and um, and it's like you and Bert and Tom, like that whole the whole gang you got going on, like have cornered this whole section of like comedy and social media. Uh, it's uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, anyways. So. It's a universe, man. Yeah. It's a real little universe. That's really nice of you to say, man. Uh, obviously, you've, I mean, you've made people laugh. You almost have to take a second when you sit with you to get to just be with you, to get right. past like the- um, You see a lot of Dwight going on yeah, or something like that? No. No, I'm seeing you, I feel like. But I think there's just, you have to let kind of like the, uh, you just have to let the premonitions fall by the wayside a bit, you know, or the- right. The, the fog that's in before you that you can't even help of like just because of your life and your talent and right. you know how visible you've been um i think there's a little bit of it sometimes with people probably yeah yeah you know but i feel like i'm just sitting here with you all right cool yeah, yeah cool awesome um and thanks man i read the first 50 pages of your book Damn, that's pretty good. Thank you i thought i i figured it's a this hell is of a lot better than burt kreischer he didn't read page 1 oh man Asshole. Dude, I bet if you'd have written it on the inside of a 12-pack, he'd have read it. Yeah, that he would have. That he would have. <laughs> oh, he's going to read his own epitaph soon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, talk about premonitions. That, was a little cold. <laughs> that, got, that got a little dark. <laughs> that was a little cold. Real Sorry, quick. Bert. Want you to be alive. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was just, it was kind of a perfect reflection of like where a lot of people are at in their lives right now. I think just as a society, as a species, um, in like this kind of not only a quest maybe for spirituality, but an, uh, an examination of, of spirituality, yeah. what spirituality means, um, all kind of stuff like that. Uh, so I thought it was, and we can get into it, but, um, yeah, I know you said that there was. It's hard for people. Why do they lock up the pissers in the office buildings? Was interesting. Why they lock them? So, do you want to go from my book on spirituality to like to locking up restrooms? Is that where we, is that the transition? Yeah, I, should, I, I do on everything at once, kind of. Okay. Know? Yeah. So I have this problem, and I think it's a problem. I don't know that it exists in other cities, but in LA, it's this mm -hmm. kind of thing where every single bathroom needs a key. And like, what the hell? Like, just let them be open. Like, I understand if you got a building like on Skid Row downtown, like maybe you just don't want someone setting up a tent in there and moving yeah. in or something like that. Like, I get that. But you'd be like, we're out here in the middle of the San Fernando Valley. What, what do they think? Like, someone's going to wander into this building off the street and like come in and like do something nefarious, shoot up drugs in the in the restroom. Why do you need keys? Yeah. Well, and they should give you a certain, if you do well enough, you should get a general, a key to at least so many bathrooms. That's a good idea. 
There could be like an app. You unlock it. It's like a game. Yeah. It's like Candy Crush, and you play it enough. You're a responsible enough citizen. With your app, you get yeah. into bathrooms wherever. You could take a shit wherever you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going down the valley. I'm not going to name what stop off the 101 you're at, but you know, you're down the 101 like, oh, man, I really need yeah. to go. And like, you, you have an app. It's like when you have an app that searches for you know, charging stations for your electric car, you mm -hmm. know, you've got an app with a little map on it. And then yeah. this allows you to come in and yeah. take a dookie. Yeah, you're somewhere. like, oh, you're man. privileged. Yeah. I can shit off of Victory Boulevard now. Yeah. Boop, beep, boop, yeah. And it opens up. Whoosh. I don't know. We got some, the, the key thing has got to, it's a very LA thing. I don't imagine they do that in Cincinnati. I imagine in Cincinnati, like you just park and you can just go in and like take a crap somewhere without yeah. a key. Yeah, and people recognize that people have to take craps. I think it's like here they almost want to pretend like, oh God, you weirdo, have with your bodily, with your bowels and your old-fashioned <laughs> urethra or whatever. You have to go and do urine or whatever. Like, oh, you peasant, you know? Like, right. yeah, come get yeah. a key. Like, they almost make it like it's an outhouse, but it's inside, kind of. Right. Right. It's a, it's elitist. Like LA is so elitist, and yeah. the, even the bathrooms are elitist. Yeah, so you gotta go. Sometimes you know what it's like. Sometimes you got appointments around town, and you got really gotta go. Mm -hmm. What are you gonna do? Like Starbucks is really the only place that's open. Grocery stores are pretty good. Do you notice that? Yeah, there's always a bathroom in a grocery store. You'd never think that that's like ex the land of accessible bathrooms. It's a long hike. You gotta Theo. get back in there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. You get you pull into a Ralph's or an A and P. Yeah. You gotta. You got to traverse a couple hundred yards before you get back to that thing. And the frozen food aisle, you notice if you traverse down that one, it feels longer than the other aisles for some reason. Does it really? Yeah. I think so. It I, feels because there's, it just feels brighter and like kind of vibe. Like someone could have had it do, be doing a party in a couple hours. It, that, it's that. It's also maybe an optical illusion. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like Luke Skywalker flying the TIE fighter through. Yes. Down those long Alleys. Yeah, you're right. It all feels yeah. the same. So I think there's this weird thing in your head yeah. where it doesn't feel new for a few seconds. Yeah. So it's just like, am I stuck in a corridor? Whereas on a regular aisle, it's like these are the red chips, these are the brown, <laughs> uh, you know, little uh, cookies. So it keeps changing, and it's like, do you ever go back in the back of a grocery store and mm -hmm. like you gotta use the, the bathroom, and then you go through the employees swinging doors, like employees yes. only, but you have to go back there. There's a whole world back there. Ugh. It's a magical world back there. Well, there's usually somebody's kind of crying a little bit. Somebody has a hairnet, right? And sure. When you course. see that out of the gate, you yep. know. Yeah. And then somebody has their hands on somebody else's back and they're consoling them, but the hands are covered with potato those. salad, blood. Where are you going with this? I don't know. Pla those plastic. Uh, oh, the plastic gloves. Yeah. yeah the deli gloves. But then potato salad and blood on the outside of those. Why? So um, there was obviously. <laughs> Why do grocery stores always have the same things in the deli section? Do you ever notice that? You go in, you go shopping, it's like coleslaw, potato salad, mm -hmm. like a broccoli salad just smothered in mayonnaise. Yeah. You got your deli meats and cheeses, mm -hmm. but then like it's like a, a shrimp salad. You don't know how old it is. Mm -hmm. Again, smothered in mayonnaise. Yes. Why don't they mix it up back there in the in the deli cases of grocery stores? You know what I mean? It's 2023, Theo. I think it would create a little bit of novelty if you thought I'm going to go see what new they have there. Yeah. Let the chefs in the hairnets with the plastic gloves, like let them- Let them be creative. Let them be creative. Let, mm. them, be art, let them be the artists that they are, the artisans. 
they don't do that. You don't feel a lot of creativity when you wander into the, into that area of the store. Yeah, it's um, that's the saddest section of any grocery store. Yeah, because it's cold section. too. You're like, oh, why they put that? They, they, you know, they could at least give them some heat. That's right. That's right. And the anyway. guy, everybody looks like non-binary kind of because of the hair nets. I think everybody has sort of this, <laughs> you know, and everybody is running a meat slicer. It's it, there's a yeah. lot going on. It's very Game of Thronesy right there. Yeah, you think, you think so? There's a lot of like, do you mean it in terms of like people killing each other? Or it has an archaic sort of guillotine oh. kind of. Because you're talking about the the slicer, yeah, mostly. with the slicer, and then there's sometimes there's like a meat hanging, you know. Yeah. Just like a one like wiener of meat like hanging from that's the thing. That's true. There can be a wiener chain. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, I think that makes you, if you're a kid and your mom takes you by there, you're like, oh, this isn't for us. Yeah. It's where an appetite goes to die, really, you know. And you don't really need to get the meats slight. And they have like a nice like head of like pastrami, like pastrami or whatever. And then you say, I want a pound of that. Yeah. But they don't open that one up. They've got another... Mm. old one that's already been pre-opened and they slice that one up. Yeah, yeah. You kind of pick out the orphan you want, but they bring in the other orphan, you know? Oh, here's yeah. little Ricky, you yeah. know? <laughs> exactly. He's got shingles, but he's just as good as his brother. And you're like, oh, come on. You know, you'll never know the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I worked at a grocery. Did you ever work? I never worked at a grocery store. I had a lot of shitty jobs in my day, but never worked in a grocery store. Yeah, what was that like? Did you stock shelves or bag? Yep, I did stocking. And I got promoted up to the, eventually the cashier. I was associate cashier and then cashier. What's an associate cashier? I didn't know that was that was a position. Yeah, you just stand by the cashier bagging. Oh, okay. But they called us associate cashier. It's a bag. It's a bag boy. It was. Yeah, it was, dude. And you didn't at the first like two weeks. You're like, oh, I'm a so. But then you realize you're not even doing it. You know, you're a bag boy. So you went from stockroom to associate cashier. And you're like, oh, I'm an associate cashier. And then it's like, I want you to just put the groceries in the bag and you're like, oh. Yeah, you're like, all right. You see the truth. That's one of the tough things about life sometimes is seeing the truths, you know? It's one of the tough things about moving to Los Angeles. You know, you love your favorite TV shows. You yeah. love Highway to Heaven. You love Michael Landon. You get out here, you realize it's, you know, it just, they filmed it, you know, right outside of Burbank somewhere. Okay. I don't know what Highway to Heaven is and I see that box over your head Oh, yeah. Well, I've oh, never yeah. even heard of it before. Is that a TV show? It was a Michael Landon TV show, yeah, where he helped people get to heaven. It was like he showed up and... Was it like touched by an angel, only with a dude? Yeah. And Victor French was in it. Oh, you brought you brought it up on the... Uh... Wait, yeah, who's that Who's that guy? That's Victor French right there. If you click on the one with him and Victor on it, yeah. Now, is it... Um, is it... I, I don't mean this in any derogatory way, but mm -hmm. he looks very Jewish. Did they did they want to kind of have a Jewish presence since it's about like angels? Or Let me something see if like he was that? jade up or not. Let's look up Victor French and see if Victor French, if you can get a wiki on him. Wait, was this a '90s thing? Oh, he does look Jewish. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Santa Barbara, California. Oh, he was also on Little House of the Prairies. They worked together a lot. Yeah, yeah. They had a kind of a thing going. Oh, yeah, he was in Little House, man. He yeah. was awesome. Oh, uh, does it say early life? Maybe early career? It doesn't specify. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he does look kind of, yeah, he does look a little bit Jewish, huh? Victor Edwin And, and nothing wrong with that. The great, no, not at wonderful. all. We're just saying, oh, look, there he is. His spouse was named Shins, so he might have married a Jewish woman, it sounds like. And what, so, what decade? This, were you talking about 90s? 
era? Yeah, 80s, 80s and early 90s. Um, but anyway, I was a huge fan. But yeah, you just You should do like, a podcast where you watch episodes and like, kind of like Office Ladies, only Highway to Heaven bros. Is Office Ladies watching your, uh, watching The Office? Yeah, that's like, it's like a top 10 podcast. They get like 2 million downloads a week and wow. they just watch Office episodes and comment on them and they're like, oh, it was really funny in this episode that, you know, Dwight fell down the stairs and I remember when we were filming that, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they're lovely and delightful, Jenna and Angela, but it's huge. But those those watching shows, watching fan shows are, are good. You could do A Highway to Heaven. Yeah, I could do David Spade and Dana Carvey do one where they talk to people that came on SNL. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And they have a Sopranos one. Mm-hmm. You know, that one. Yeah, something like that could be interesting. I would do, you read the first part of my book, so mm-hmm. I would do Kung Fu. Yeah. I love, I love You Kung could tell Fu. that you did. Yeah. You could tell. You watched all three seasons you said in there. Oh, man. Multiple, multiple times. And bring that up, Kung Fu. With KCC, he was the leader in it. Oh, he was the... Kwai Chang Kane, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, I'm not familiar with it. Sorry, go ahead. It's 1970s, 1970s, three uh, seasons. Mm-hmm. The original idea for mm-hmm. Kung Fu uh, was created by Bruce Lee. Mm. He tried to sell it. They were too racist to have. There it is. Yeah, there's David Carradine. So they got a white guy to play a Chinese guy, David Carradine, and he was brilliant. But it was a very racist choice on mm. that. On, by the uh, by, the TV networks was it racist at the time? Well, you shouldn't have a white guy playing a Chinese guy. Like, I don't I, care what decade it's in. Like, it's. Right. I mean, it was more done back then. I mean, they would have like black stunt guys that would have white stunt guys wearing blackface. Wow. Literally, you could yeah. see movies where, you know, because um, sometimes you know what it could have been too. Sometimes the audience wouldn't accept if it was an Asian guy. They went out and watched it as much, but maybe not, huh? I, I think that was their fear. Their That's their fear, right? Their fear would be that people wouldn't watch it. But anyways, it's a brilliant show. He is studying uh, Kung Fu in a Shaolin monastery in China. And, you know, he's the master there. We see a couple of his Kung Fu masters mm-hmm. teaching him the wisdom of the East mm-hmm. and as well as some martial arts, sick martial arts moves. And then... Um, he gets kicked out of the monastery and goes to the Old West in the 1880s. He's wandering around the cowboy lands mm-hmm. and uh, fighting uh, fighting crime. Not really fighting crime, righting wrongs, okay. shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing <clears throat> the, uh, his benevolent Eastern wisdom to bear on every interaction that he has. Mm. Uh, they encounter a lot of racist cowboys out there. Oh, like, yeah. oh you China man, you know, yeah. spit like, and then... Of course, there's a couple fights. Yeah, this he... chopstick's got bullets in it, stuff like that. <laughs> that would have been good. They didn't have lines that quite that smart, but that would have worked. Um, but anyways, I talk about it in my book because I feel like there it's it is a it's a metaphor for spirituality because in spirituality we we're walking around the crazy chaotic old west that's ag- aggressive and violent. And we're bringing to bear our wisdom and our, uh, you know, our, our our vision. We're trying to create peace, bring people together. He's always got really beautiful, wise things to say mm-hmm. um, uh, to try and heal people. But there's always like some drunken racist cowboy there that you got up at the end of the day. You got to pony yeah. up, you know. But yeah, I'm gonna make orange chicken out of you or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. You should have been on the. You should be a staff writer <laughs> yeah. for them. Maybe that could have been good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah. Well, like, but so, so, but so go on. So you think, so it's like, it's kind of like, we need that now. We, we can use that. I mean, we can use that always, but that's what I kind of derived from the beginning of your book. The, I think I read like 23% of it maybe. Um, but that we, how do we get to where we start to look at ourselves? You want us to look at more as ourselves as a group and not just as individuals. Well, that's see that. And that's the point I bring up Kung Fu because to me, a lot of people, when they think about spirituality, they think about something. <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's folks that think of spirituality as synonymous with church, right? So they like they go to church on a Sunday and that's where they get their spirituality and they hear a sermon. But I'm talking about like many people feel like spirituality is something that you know, they pray or they meditate or they read a, a spiritual book or the Bible or, or a philosopher or something like that, and or they go to the yoga class or something like that, but that, that spirituality is something internal that we kind of process and develop uh, inside of ourselves. And I bring up Kung Fu because I compare and contrast it to Star Trek, mm, yep. which is, for me, a different way of looking at spirituality because Star Trek is about the journey of humanity itself, like the bigger picture. Now, true, Star Trek's more about like technology and whatnot, but it's uh, in the planet on Star Trek, uh, humanity has had a big war. This is before the original series starts. We've overcome racism out of that war. We, we're getting along, everyone's getting along. We've solved like sexism, we've solved income inequality. There's like, you know, great peace and justice and, and tranquility on planet Earth, which allows us to build all these spaceships and go flying around the universe, mm. seeking out strange new life and new civilizations and whatnot. Um, but there's a, there's a, there is a spiritual maturity, there's a progression of humanity right. toward this mature spiritual end. So I, I bring, I contrast those two because I think that sometimes people lose sight of the fact that <clears throat> there can be a spiritual transformation and maturation of us, seven billion of us on the planet. And um, and, and that's just something important to, to talk about and think about. Because yeah, it doesn't get, the, it doesn't really get brought up or discussed that much. It doesn't, um, a lot of things focus on the now. We get a little bit further out when we look at things like, um, like our own lives and stuff like that, like the limitation of our own lives, what will happen in our lifetime. But rarely do you start to think, what can I, if there's an overall goal that there's like a destination as a people or a populace, um, that- And isn't that, and isn't that Theo, isn't that world peace really? Like, do you remember, I mean, you're a lot younger than me, but you're no spring chicken. Mm -mm. You've been around the block. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember when people used to talk about world peace, like as a, as a thing, as like yeah, a goal? dude, yeah. I mean, I remember Ronald Reagan. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I remember yeah. Ronald Reagan, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember world peace. We are the world. I remember people sure. were excited about it. Yeah. They were like, "We're mailing hams to Africa. Where everything's gonna change. We got this." You know, David Bowie, I think, was doing. They should it. mail all those deli meats and cheeses and the potato salad and. Shrimp salad to have. No one, no one's eating that crap, bro. It's, by the way, it's fu- yeah. No one's I eating agree. Those deli goods. If you don't love swallowing pills, if you're not a pill baby, you're not a pill pill woman. P 
piller. If you're not a pill person, pill popper, that's where Blue Chew helps out. Blue Chew's chewable tablets combat all forms of ED, that's erectile dysfunction, and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. That's right. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. They have Sildenafil and Tadalafil, and their tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. That's the truth. And guys, here's a special deal for you. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code THEO at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I like these chewables. They're good. That's bluechew.com, promo code THEO, to receive your first month for free. You know, the economy has been a challenge. It's always a challenge. We don't know. We don't know what the future is. We just base things on the current. And you need to make sure you keep your business thriving by finding ways to save money without cutting corners that are going to affect uh, your clientele and the products they receive. ShipStation can help. ShipStation gives you access to discounts of up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. And you can manage every order from one simple-to-use dashboard. That's right. ShipStation effortlessly integrates everywhere you sell online, including Etsy, Shopify, eBay, Amazon, and more. Manage every order from one simple dashboard, automate routine shipping tasks, print labels, compare rates. They can do it all. And with enterprise solutions that make warehouse optimization easy, ShipStation scales when your business does. Well, we want to give you a a deal over there. Go to ShipStation.com and use code Theo today and sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's 60 days of ShipStationing. That's ShipStation.com code Theo. Get a 60-day free trial at www.ShipStation.com slash Theo. Thanks to ShipStation for sponsoring the show. You know, it's, yeah, it's like... Well, this is one thing I thought about when I was kind of delving into your um, into your work was that, yeah, it's like you feel this, do you feel compelled to kind of look at this? Like, I guess you're saying it's a nice, somebody needs to bring this to the forefront of conversation that, hey, we're all here. Is there some bigger reason why we're all here? Can yeah. we all start to look at that again? Like, yeah. Um, that we can have a goal as a species that maybe, you know, mother nature and father time have a goal for us. And we've gotten very off track with our own society. Sometimes I think American society, we may a thousand years from now look back and be like, man, what a detour we took with a lot of the directions we had. Oh my God. I I think it's such a crazy, I, I, I was saying that to my friend Aaron the other day, like we're just in this, um, time. I think that 50, hundred years from now. We'll look back back and be like, man, what a crazy fucked up time we were in. Like, first of all, here's what we did is we created these mini computers, right? With uh, any distraction you could possibly think of. Every game, unlimited porn, social media, you can connect with anyone. You can download any piece of information you'd ever possibly want. And we just sprinkle it out like candy among the citizenry, 
you know, just like here, here y'all go, you know, have these devices that, and then you've got kids growing up and they're, they're never, well, I remember when I was young, like, you remember being bored? Yeah. I was bored so much as a kid. I was, my, my dad was like, you're coming with me. Why? I have to go to the dentist. Why do I need to go? Well, I don't want you sitting at home. You know, it's it's going to take a couple hours, and I got to swing by the hardware store or whatever. Yeah. So, I'll get okay. you. A, I'll get you two feet of rope or something. Like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'll and get you a candy. We'll stop by the bank. My mom would say. Yeah, yeah, we'll stop by the bank, and you get the little candy at the yeah. at the in the aisle. Like, all right, I'll go. Okay. So I brought a comic book, and like you just sit there, and like you'd hear he'd be in the dentist. <laughs> And you're just in the waiting room and there's like a people magazine or maybe you brought your comic book, but you've already read it. So you read it again. And there's just a lot of sitting around. Now kids aren't getting bored, but I'm getting off track. No, you're not because it's all part of the same thing. I think your general disposition, your general thought is like, I mean, we can talk about boredom. I talk about the moment doesn't exist anymore. I talk about Hmm. um, my niece thought imagination was an app on your phone. Um, you said like use your imagination and yeah. she's like where, where is that i don't have that downloaded yeah wow and it blew my mind i was like yeah because boredom was a chance like that's where you came up with your that's where your je ne sais came from you yeah. know Excellent that's where French. Your, yes that's yeah. where your brain showed its balls off you yeah. know yeah it was like that's where like your uh that's where baba uh, who's the guy with the curly hair that did all the painting bob ross that's where bob ross showed up you know yeah. out of the nowhere in your freaking right. amygdala or whatever you your know inner like, bob ross yeah yeah and you had to like you go up to the counter your dad's in the back getting drilled on and you like peek over the counter at the lady working right there and you're like <laughs> you have no idea like and, that used to be an email you know what and, I'm you, and you used to th- and you think like what's her life like yeah yeah does I she wonder, have any chocolates i wonder <laughs> wonder what she goes home to yeah yeah it was well, what's she wearing under that nurse's yeah, outfit, dude? Yeah, and one time, or one lady used to give me her shoe, dude, and let me uh just play around with it in the lobby right there, dude. Like, um, you had a shoe as a toy, yeah. My mom would take me to this place, I think it was like a hair cutter or something. And the lady in the front would give me her heels and let me kind of think she was, you know, open to people being whoever they wanted to be or whatever at that time. And she'd let me walk around in her heels in the lobby of the wow, uh, it's called the Looking Glass. It was like the hair salon in our what town. town was that? Covington, Louisiana. Okay. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, I remember that. And you don't have- I went to college with a guy from Covington, Louisiana. Did you? Yeah. Jed Diamond is his name. He's an acting teacher now in Tennessee. Huh. Yeah. Jed Diamond. Yeah. Does he teach in Nashville? Knoxville. Knoxville. Okay. He might yeah. work at the university too or no? Yeah. Yeah. He teaches at the university. In, oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know him, which is because it's kind of a small. The diamonds. Uh, they had a big clan, but he was <laughs> there. He is. Look at that. I love that. We used to. Uh, I played Hamlet in acting school, and he played Horatio next to my Hamlet. Yeah, yeah evolved, that's a man. handsome photo. That's he's not as good looking in real life as that photo. It's looking oh, those it's piercing good. blue eyes. Really nice handsome. guy. Very nice guy. Very smart guy. Jed Diamond out of Covington, Louisiana. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we actually had the tallest statue of Ronald Reagan in our town. Oh, that's nice. Which is interesting. Yeah. And um Yeah, that's about but, it. But the board oh, and Lee of, Harvey Oswald to... went to our middle school for a little while. Oh, that's that's good. 
All right. So you would hear that growing up, things like that, like small town lore and stuff. Yeah. I loved that growing up. But yeah, boredom, you didn't have it, so your brain got to think and contemplate. You felt like you needed to wish into the air if you wanted anything to happen. Like you had to have some connection with the world because you needed to like set the all your hopes on the scales of time and that you would whatever your dreams were you were gonna make them happen somehow and you felt it inside of you and now all of so much of that and like uh our praying our moments our peace our it all gets there's an app for that and it gets yeah it gets appified um and it gets sucked in and, and and comedy too like i'm not a comedian like i wouldn't know how to write an hour and a half worth of jokes and stories like i I just wouldn't know i would hire someone for that i guess um if you're available but we spent so much time bored together too Mm. so and my friend john and i especially we would play kung fu we would act out scenes from kung fu we loved that but then you're just like walking home from the school bus. You're not checking your phones. You're throwing pine cones at each other and at the passing cars. And then, you know, you see a robin take a shit. And then you talk about like, yeah. oh, birds shit, I guess. You know, how much, I wonder how much birds shit. And you just muse on that for 45 minutes. Yeah. So you can catch a bird shit you try for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw a pine cone, try and catch it right as it's shitting. Yeah. So, and, and then, you go home yeah. and, but that's a little cauldron. It's a little petri dish of, of comedy because you're just observing things and bumping up into each other. And and uh, I, I think it must be harder for, for young folks these days because my son is 18 years old and he gets together with his friends and they just mostly just look at, at their phones the whole time they're together. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Do I sound like a grumpy old man? I don't think you do. I think you sound, It's. I mean, it's the same thing that I think. It's like, is it that I we're becoming grumpy old men or is it that we have some concern for the intrinsic value of what it seems like to us, what it means to be human, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we are like, or does nature and the gods, do they have some longer destiny for us to end up as robots? And these are like the shell. We are like just the snails before they get the shell. You know, it's like we don't know where we are in the chain of time, you know? Um, sure. There was a book, a science fiction book I read. Well, I used to read a lot of science fiction. It was called City. It was by Clifford D. Simak. And it, 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 every section of the book took you through eons and Earth's development. Mm. And like there's after the humans expired on planet Earth, then it was the dogs. So then it's like a whole chapter about dogs ruling the Earth. Mm. And then it's the, oh. and then it's the ants. And then the ants rule the Earth. And then I think at the end it's like the dolphins or something like that. So it's stories, you know, set thousands of years apart. Um, and the dogs are living in the ruins of humanity. So there's these shells of these cities, but they're these talking dogs and they're talking about life and love and, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, maybe this is just one just pit stop on the on the way of the development of planet Earth. What do you think? It makes me, I don't know if it makes me, I think there's some part of me that laments that or makes me feel sad about it because I think in some ego way, I want to feel more important than that or I want my time period to feel more important than that. 
I often feel like it's very, even though I feel like I'm aware of some of the things that you kind of think about and the things that you talk about in your book, I feel like I still struggle to combat those, even though I try to use things like prayer, meditation. Um, you know, I'm in recovery, so I go to those. Yeah, um, me too. So mm-hmm. I'm a part of that group, So, yeah. which promotes a lot of that sort of stuff. So yeah. I, I'm an ear for brothers that, are, that struggle with stuff sometimes. And, um, but even then, it's like, it's really hard to not feel like you're just uh, on the conveyor belt sometimes, but that you, maybe we used to have a, we used to dance on the conveyor belt and like whistle and do marshmallows and stuff. And now we're just kind of like <laughs> sitting on the conveyor belt on our phones, you know, That's I don't know. I don't want to sound too dour. What's too. your biggest struggle? My struggle was, um, what is your biggest struggle now? Probably affection. Probably love and affection, that type of stuff. I want to hug you right now. Well, I wouldn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, though. Right. I mean, I'll definitely I'm gonna take wait it to go. End. I'll take it to go. I'm going to I'm gonna wait till the end of the podcast. Okay. I'll give you a big one. Big bear hug. Some guy said in a meeting one day to me, he goes, you know what, man? You're hard to pet. Hard to pet? Yeah. <laughs> And I kind of, I've, I valued that. It kind of taught me something about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're right, man. I am hard to pet. Uh-huh. I don't, it's hard for me to let people pet me. Mm. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. It was just yeah. an interesting insight. Um, so it, affection, you, do you mean like intimacy? Like, yeah, I think like, like that. With, with good friends and with like, uh, relationships and girlfriends and whatnot. Yeah. I think probably like commitment and like that kind of stuff, intimacy, like really dropping into connecting with somebody. Um, I think it's kind of tough. Uh, I know it's kind of tough for me, Yeah, you know, I, but I, I don't want to talk too much about myself, you know? Okay. What about yourself? Um, I mean, obviously a lot in your book and a lot in your show, you know, that you're search, you're in a searching space. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in recovery. Um, I have a lot of anxiety. I've dealt with a lot of depression before, uh, a lot of loneliness. Um, I've been through some really dark times. Um, and, uh, you know, so for me, like part of this spiritual search and why I'm writing about it and talking about it and thinking about it so much is I need tools to help me cope with my anxiety and help me find uh, peace and, and serenity. And and as I undertake that journey, so I view kind of my anxiety disorder as something almost akin to diabetes where you have friends with diabetes and every day they got to take their blood, mm-hmm. right? Monitor. And give them an apple or something if they fall over. Right, exactly. Shovel some applesauce in their mouth real quick. and Yeah, we had this one dude we'd always freaking just put one of them Twix in him, bro. Anally? Uh-uh. I mean, I never did that. Have you ever had anal Twix? I haven't, but they kind of shape perfectly. Right. Uh, so, but I have to do the same thing with anxiety. <laughs> like I have to, uh, I have to, not, nothing is not anal, but I have to monitor it every day and I can live with it and I do okay, but I do have to, I have to meditate. I have to work out. I have to pray. I have to surrender. I have to stay connected with people. I can isolate pretty easily. Yeah. So, um, but that has led me on, on the search. So I, I would say my biggest struggle is with my own, is with my anxiety and with my ego too. Mm. 
you know. Yeah, ego is so scary, isn't it? I must be, I mean, I've been at it for a long time and I struggled a lot more with ego like early on in the success of The Office and stuff, but it must be hard for you. Like you were, you're toiling away in obscurity doing like Chuckles Comedy Hut in Oklahoma City and then all of a sudden, like just in the last like four years, like you've just like, blown up and like you're practically going to be put on Mount Rushmore. I mean, it's a crazy amount of fame for a, you know, a itchy hillbilly such as yourself. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? You're right, dude. <laughs> that's a good call. Yeah, I think, uh, oh, well, it that's, scared that, me. That has to have been a, that has to be a struggle too. Right? Oh, it's, the first thing was a sheer fear. I thought this was a, this was crazy. I thought God has some, this was the worst part that happened. I thought God has some special purpose for me and that there's something special that he needs me to do, but. He, he does. And and that may be true, But right? he has that for everyone, I think. Right. Yeah. But I and now you have a platform, and so you know. I feel like I have some responsibility. With increased power comes increased responsibility. Yeah. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, bro. Yeah. And you're almost wearing the podcast crown. Yeah. Well, they called me the Rat King, you know, and I didn't even pick it out. You know, it was just the king of rats. But um, but that was real is scary. Is it like Ant Man? You can order rats around. Do you have a psychic connection to rats? By the way, I think like think about Ant Man, like that pitch meeting at Marvel, mm -hmm. like. <clears throat> All right. Okay, Ant-Man, mm -hmm. what's his power? Yeah. He can turn tiny. You picture mm -hmm. them like, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, that could be fun. We don't have a shrinking guy, but it's not quite enough. We need something more. Um, he has a psychic power to be able to call ants to help him out. Mm-hmm. Also, he can shrink and communicate with ants. We'll call him Ant-Man, but the two powers really aren't related at yeah. all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it would it's be great. like Superman's power is he has strength and he can fly and he can also read books backwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Right, right. They don't, they, and he can also weigh a Christmas ham with his eyes. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I think, I don't know if, well, I think Hollywood has done a. They've done a disservice to imagination because it's been now. I think it used to be a novel place where pe more people came. They came out in their wagons from Kalamazoo with their bag of ideas on their back. Yep. And now I think it's just, you know, so and so's son or grandson, they're in the seventh generation of their studio or film. They haven't had a new idea that isn't based on an algorithm walking the door in 12 years, and they wouldn't know something novel and unique unless it beat them upside the head. I think yeah. a lot of times now that might be a very narrow view of Hollywood, but, but by why you guys like Bert and you and Tom, I'm sure there's others, but those are the main three that I watched. Like, you don't have you don't have to pitch anything. You nope. can just make your own shit and hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people are gonna watch it and you get to do your own like Bert's got a whole enterprise over there. He's got movies going yeah. and Oh yeah, he's got a family cooking show. Me and David Spade just wrote a movie together. Who was my 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 one of my childhood heroes. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't need to go into Sony and like pitch it or anything. Like you just kind of did it. Yeah. Just and, kept and it'll yeah. it'll sell, but is it Joe Dirt 2? I wish it was damn Joe Dirt 7. They made Joe Dirt 2, but oh, they made, I didn't know either. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew, but I didn't want, you know, nobody was saying that they knew. But um, 
But it was it was something like uh, this one's about bus boys, it's like the last bus boys, nice. you know. And we okay. think if we become waiters and everything in our life will change, you know. But we just it's just a misguided thought. Isn't that so true? I remember I was very, you know, always struggling as an actor, and then like, oh, once I get on a TV show, then I'll be happy. And guess what? I'm on The Office. And then it was just like, well, how do I get to be a movie star? <clears throat> now I'm a TV star. And like the second I'm TV star, yeah. I can't even like enjoy it. Yeah. For like a month. I'm on to like, like, how do I get to, how do I get to be a movie star? And guess what? It didn't work out so well for me. Trying to do movies, you mean? Yeah. The movies move. My movies never, people never really liked or saw my movies very much. Mm. Um, One day you'll probably make a really neat movie that people will see. Well, I think a lot of them were neat, and and people tell me they like them now, like The Rocker and stuff like that. But like that was my big. I don't know if do you remember that movie, The Rocker. Mm -hmm. So you don't even know it existed. Yeah, I'm what sorry. about you? You know about it. I saw it in theaters. You saw it in the theater? Hell yeah, bro! Thanks, Zach, for holding the team together. Wow, What'd that you was think 14 years ago. How old were you? Uh, I must have been 16 or something like that. There he is. There it is. And Bradley Cooper. And the, oh, yeah, I remember seeing the average. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was John, uh, what's his name? Barry. Bill Hader? Yeah. Yeah, I used to kind of look like Bill Hader when I was a little better looking and younger. You still seem like a handsome guy. Oh, you're, stop you. Um, But anyways, this was like, oh, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, The mm -hmm. Rocker. Um, This is my chance, my starring role in a comedy movie. And it was one of the biggest bombs in Fox history. Yeah. It opened on like, there's this thing called per screen average. I mean, truth be told, they moved the launch date like five times. They pushed it to a release after like Labor Day. Like literally like the worst weekend. Everyone's getting ready to go to school. Yeah. Um, oh, that's it, the worst. It came out like three weeks after Tropics Thunder and two weeks after Step Brothers. <gasps> So there were all these amazing comedies in the theater already. We just, and like the, it came out on like 2,000 or 3,000 screens. And like the per screen average was like $203 or oh. something like that. And it's like, it was brutal. I put, I worked so hard on it. I promoted the hell out of it. And no one wanted to see the Rain Wilson starring vehicle. And it was devastating. But why, you know, why was I in such a place back then? And I think I'm in a different place now where, like you say about the busboy, like, oh, if only I can get to be a waiter, then my life will be made. Um, but, oh, if only I can be, I'm a TV star. If only I can be a movie star, then I will be happy. Yeah. You know, but. But then you want to walk on the Hollywood Walk of Fame or then you want, you know, your kid to be a movie star. You don't mean anything. I, I, you know, yes, I think that search for different things never really ends. But I think we have to try and monitor where does that search come from, right? And what are exactly we searching for? And that's the kind of thing, honestly, not to go back to your book, but I think it, that's kind of the, some of the stuff that it's touching on. It's like where some of these motivations coming from, not only for me as a person, but where's our motivation coming from as a species and as a human? Well, if we want external validation, if we want to find happiness extrinsically, that's outside of ourselves, um, you know, we're never, we're never going to be satisfied. We have to find um, that deep, soul-rich satisfaction of 
being alive, you know, in the garden of our hearts, you know, tending to, you know, what fulfills us and brings us joy and talk about being in the moment, you know, that's such a key part of it. It's hard. Um, and then when we're able to cultivate that, then we're able to spread that and give that to others, you know, and one of the things that you get to do, and I think your great divine and solemn responsibility, and I put the rat king crown on your head and anoint you king rat and i say to you you are a spreader of joy you make people laugh you spread joy you spread ideas you uplift people there's probably some really depressed guy right now sitting in a trailer park in mobile alabama taking a shit mm -hmm. and he doesn't know where he's going to pay the next month rent and he's listening right now to this as he's watching and he's chortling all of your analogies and your your verbal sense of humor and your and your humble demeanor and 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 he's uplifted and and that that is uh that is a, a divine power that is your ant-man powers is to is to uplift and inspire not just summon rats hmm. or summon decent rats yeah yeah because that's really the best hope to be is just a de you know be a decent rat be man. a decent rat i like that I kind of like that too, man. Is that um, going to be on your merch page now? It could be. We yeah. can put it on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah we can put a decent Can you put rat. my little face there on it? Yeah, yeah, a little, little rat. Um, What's your name again? Alex. Zach. My Zach. brother's name's Alex. You can name him Zach or Alex. Um, you can name him Alex. Zach, it's nice to have him there because he smiles when it's funny. <clears throat> yep. Sometimes There's not you really know. an audience. Right. There isn't. You also have to recognize his his sense of humor may not be the same as yours so sometimes you might be being funny and he doesn't he he's deadpan stonewall he doesn't fake it really for you which i like yeah it feels authentic it feels yep. legit i think he, I, th I think that but i've already i've worked i got a couple giggles out of zach yeah I try i'm honest with it he is I honest like with it i like that he's out of cincinnati and he's honest with it i would say that that's about him was he from cincinnati mm-hmm that's why I said about bathrooms yeah, in Cincinnati. Random. The KRP, right? How yeah. random is that? The turkeys from the sky. Remember that? Oh, they shot turkeys out of the air. They threw turkeys out of the sky in that show. That's what. That's the only thing I remember. I never saw those before. WKRP in Cincinnati. You ever saw that show? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that. I used to watch that in the seventies, golden age of the uh, the sitcom. All in the family. I loved it. God, he was good. Carol O'Connor. I've been to his grave seven times. You've been to Carol O'Connor's grave seven times. Yep. That is a that is a devotion and dedication. Where's where's his grave? In Thank my backyard. You. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was mowing the lawn every time I mowed the lawn. Oh, See Carol O'Connor. He's buried in my heart. <laughs> uh, where's his grave? He's buried in Westwood. There's a cemetery in Westwood. Okay, um, right by UCLA. Yep. I thought that's one with like a thousand soldiers in it. Is nope. It, oh, there's that one. one, but there's another little one. It's like a quarter of a block. Okay. It's behind some business buildings. You never think it's there. Hugh Hefner is in there. No Marilyn Monroe. Carol O'Connor. Um, who's the guy from, uh, who are the two old guys from the Angry Grandpas? Where they're in the boat and they're hitting them with Walter the- Walter Matthau? Yep. Walter Matthau. Isn't it a, it's pretty good I got that. Yeah, it's You're good. like, who the angry old guy? Walter? <laughs> and Jerry Matthau. No. And the last one is the other guy, Jack- Lemon. Lemon. Both of grumpy old men were buried there? All buried there in the same cemetery. Wow. And the first guy that ever played Robin Hood. 
Kevin Gosner? I thought he was still alive. Oh, no. Tarzan. Or Robin Hood. We're Googling this shit. Someone. Um, maybe it could have been him. Could have been Pierce Brosnan, too. He's still alive. Oh, then not him. Congrats, Pierce. Well done, Pierce. Still um, looks, looks yeah. amazing. Have you ever subscribed to something and forgot about it? I have. I did. I was part of a scarf annual, and I send you a scarf every month. Thank God your neck just can't handle it. Dang. I was getting dang hives just because I had, you know, by May I had on three scarves, and I just, people couldn't even recognize me. It's getting dangerous, too. Couldn't see over the top one. Well, Rocket Money can help you cancel a subscription, one that you forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about, like that Stars app that you bought just one time to watch a show or that free gaming trial that you never used, all of them. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash T-H-E-O. That's rocketmoney.com slash Theo, rocketmoney.com slash Theo. UFC 288 is sure to pack a punch with a high-stakes first matchup between Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Who will secure the Bantamweight title? Place your bets on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can take the MMA action to the next level with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use code THEO, and bet $5 on any UFC 288 and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's this Saturday on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THEO. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches. It surely could. But there's a better way to break your habits than cold turkey. We're not talking about some weird thing your crazy neighbor does. We're not talking about doing a seance on somebody or, or doing an exorcism on a ex-husband. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything is a bad habit. Not every bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. That's right. The taste, the feel, the look, whoo, man, it's nice. 
I mean, the look alone is beautiful, real wood. God feels fancy in your hand. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy. Join fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code Theo to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com and use code Theo to save an additional 10% off your order today. I know you talk some about it in your book about how like, so some of the things, so, something that we struggle with is, or one thing that you like to take note of, because I don't want to say like you're being accusatory towards society, because it's more like you're saying, hey, let's all look at some of this stuff. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yes. Um, it's just education, like the education's what we educate youth on at all, really. To me, a lot of it is asinine. I talk about, how, later on in the book, I talk a lot about how systems are broken. So this is where I get a little, I wax a little philosophical. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so many systems are broken. Anyone who works in any system will tell you how broken it is. You ever notice that? Like you talk to someone who's like a bus driver and like, mm -hmm. what's it like being a bus driver? It's like, well, it's gone to shit. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. They're making us work 14 hours and not enough people and we don't get to park the buses downtown. And, and it's BYOB. Yeah. <laughs> and you get, yeah, you got to wipe down the seats yourself. We used to have guys that wiped down the seats and, you know, every system is broken down because it's, everything's based on, on greed. You know, everything's based on aggression and greed and one-upsmanship and competition and, um, you know, and healthcare and agriculture and, and education is one of those systems. And the reason I bring all this up is not to be like negative Nelly, but to kind of say like, we uh, need to uh, realize that they're based on faulty systems, like take education. And I talk about when they poll people and they're like, well, hey, what do you want to learn in school? Mm -hmm. People will be like, gardening, you know, or how to have a friendship or how to take rejection or how to, you know, work on a car engine or how to pay bills, right? And, and have like a banking account, you know, all this stuff that they, people say they want, you don't ever spend, you don't learn shit about that. You spend- no. My son is 18, like some of the stuff, like his math class, it's like, give me a break. Like he's not gonna be a mathematician and he's in like this, it's so hard and it's so pointless. And yeah. and you get something out of math, like you, it, it, it exercises your brain, right? It's like advanced Sudoku, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, which is good for brain growth. Oh yeah. But, it's not practical at all. And like he took this history class and his entire history class, like European history, was just about who won what battle, yeah. you know? In 1707, the French beat the Polish. And in 1842, the English beat the Dutch. And, yeah. and, and the and, Dutch beat the gays. And you're like, what is this? This is hey, yeah. where's this going? <laughs> they, yeah. Like who's writing this? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah, I agree, but man. But who cares about that? Like who, who cares who won? The Battle of Shish Kebab, and, yeah. you know, in 1684, you know? Yeah, 100%. I'd much rather learn how to, how to, you know, if I was 17, to have a checking account or how to grow a cabbage. Yeah. Oh, it'd be sick, dude. You saw some freaking hot chick with a balanced checkbook and two heads of lettuce, you know mm. what I'm saying, buddy? <laughs> I'm in, bro. 
<laughs> but dude, yeah, I agree. There should be class. Like I always thought there should be classes on like, um, like we had spelling every week, right? Three kids did the best. 16 kids did medium. Four kids could not spell ever. Yeah. And it was the same for the whole, like yeah. after four weeks, let's just say we get, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Let's move on. Like I think just eye let contact. The four, let the four kids. Yes. Just duke it out among themselves. Yeah. I was always in the medium. Yeah. I was a good speller. You were a good speller? Yeah. Did you ever make it to some kind of finals? I made it almost, but I missed on inconvenience, right? That's inconvenient. Yeah. I wrote that line on the in the office. Um uh I lost the spelling bee. I misspelled the word failure. And uh I actually wrote that line. I felt kind of proud of that. Hey, uh, Zach. Yeah. Give us a tough word. Let's have a little spelling bee. All right. Um, renaissance. Um, me or me or him? The fair or the motel? Uh, the fair. All right. R e n a i s s a n c e. No. Renaissance. R e n n a i s s a n c e. Just one N. He's right. You got it. Well, it's also, you have two N's in your name, so you probably were, it's like. I was sure it was two N's. I was so sure. Two S's. Okay, let's do best two out of three then. And I'll, and I'll pick a category two, outdoors. Just Google, Google spelling bee words. Okay, I won't pick a category then. I'll take my category back. Um, these are all easy. These are for babies. Hold on. Look up harder spelling bee words. Oh, I did. High school, yeah, senior year, community college, yeah. Gesticulate. Oh, G E S T I C U L A T E. Pretty easy. That's Talking with your hands, being Italian, even yeah. doing that. Yeah, I think here's a class you should have, right, Rain? Eye contact. What a great class. The first week, it's all eye contact. How are you doing, Betty? You know. But what do you? What do you? What about the second week? <laughs> then you move up. You do nodding. <laughs> so why don't you just say like interpersonal communication? Yeah, you can. And then You're gonna eye scare off a lot of people. Though. One. Yeah. You put that. You're scaring off a lot of folks. That's okay. Let them be scared. Okay. Kids need it. People need it right now. You know. You look on college campuses and some of the most popular classes, like the most popular class at USC is on friendship. Mm. Like how to have friendship. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, because look at what we do. You, Yeah, I think you do eye contact, nodding. You, If you 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 do well in nodding, you get to you get to move into the handshakers union, right? And then you're there, you're doing real handshakes yeah. in, in real time with people, right? right? But you're learning, yeah, how to communicate, how to take rejection, like you said, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. damn, you suck. Oh, man, all right, bro, yeah. but I'm still good at this, right? But right. we teach, it's like, we go straight from like dinosaurs to sex ed. It's like, you believe in Tyrannosaurus Rex? Let's mm -hmm. fuck, you know? <laughs> like, that's crazy, yeah. bro. yeah. That is, we there's so much as right. None of it is based on. No one has ever fucked a dinosaur. Oh, I, I believe no, because they they never overlapped. Humans and dinosaurs never overlapped. It was like a million a year after the last dinosaur died before humans. There's no existed. pictures of humans and dinosaurs at the same time. Well, there's no there's no pictures before 1880. 
There's paintings, but there, yeah, there was no, there's no wall carving. Woolly mammoths. Yeah. It could be that someone fucked a woolly mammoth. Oh yeah. In the plasticine. The you know? brunettes they called them back then. <laughs> yeah. In a heart. They're so dude. woolly. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Oh, especially on a cold night. Fine. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, sure. I would yeah. braid that tail. You could buddy. sleep in that vagina. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a rucksack. You know. <laughs> oh, I bet if they had a newborn baby, if they're riding on a woolly mammoth, they just plop that right thing. in there. Yeah. 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 Why not? Um, that's the only sound that they hear. They do. <laughs> All aboard, trains leaving the station. But they don't fuck dinosaurs. Um, but that's it. You know, I think, yeah, like getting back to being human. Do you, sometimes I will romanticize Native American and tribal people and the connection that they had to the earth. Do you do that? I do very much. I, I really uh, believe that uh, we have a lot to learn from Native American folk. Um, the way that by and large, they lived in harmony with the natural world. And the thing I think about with a lot of indigenous peoples and their spiritual practices is that spirituality wasn't separate from nature. And when you think about that, it can be very inspiring. You know what I mean? Like mm. this mountain is holy. You know, this river is the river of our ancestors. This is where our ancestors are buried in this forest and that's holy. Let's pray to the spirit of the mountain or to the spirit of the, of the river or the spirit of the forest. And so it isn't this idea of God as this kind of dude or like a deity, like a like with superpowers, right. you know, up on a cloud. It's, like an, uh, yeah. it's merged into the natural world, the beauty, the majesty, the wonder, the wonder, the mystery of the natural world, you know, the winds, the four directions. And when you read about Native American spirituality, I think it can be very uplifting. And it was very, it was very helpful to me because I um, was reading some stuff about um, in the Lakota Sioux tradition. the The god of the Lakota Sioux is called <clears throat> is referred to as Wakantanka, mm. which means the great mystery. So even the word for God, instead of maybe we should all do that, is throw away the word God. It's such a loaded word, right? Except mm -hmm. for Michael Landon and his Highway to Heaven, mm. but that. Um, and just substitute the great mystery, like you know, oh, did you did you pray to the great mystery today, or right? Uh, oh, thank the great mystery, or ask the great mystery for help, or like, you know, great mystery, damn it, yeah, you know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I really love that idea, and that was very resonant for me as a young person because I was really struggling with God and higher power, and I didn't know what that meant to me, and you know, my parents were religious, but I didn't have the same conception that they did, and that really allowed me to kind of have a different vision for what a higher power could be, which was something that is not separate from nature and something that is not separate from physical reality. It is in physical reality and, and in nature and, and yet part of it and also above it at the same time. And the idea I love, I, I was going to say, I love mysteries, but I don't mean like, like I love mystery podcasts. I mean, I love, you know, I just love, as an artist, I love the idea of life being this mystery. Mm. And uh, so I, I I found that very helpful, and I think we could get real humble, and we really screwed over Native Americans in this country, and yeah. we should go back to the reservation and help them out and, and learn from them and not you know tell them what to do and when to do it, but actually be humble and learn from them because they might have something to teach us. 
Agreed. I mean, I think we, I think we're start. There's a lot of people that are trying to get back to those spaces now. I think yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, mm -hmm. you see it with like a lot of ayahuasca use and people getting back to the jungle and having experiences that really bring them closer to nature. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine. Yeah, I'm not going to litter if I think that the ground has some semblance of sacredness. Of course not. Right. Yeah. It's gonna. Yeah. Things are gonna have so much more value to me. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to strip mine that mountain right. and uh, cause an ecological disaster. You know, there's all these floods that have been happening in West Virginia, and they, they called it when they were doing all the strip mining in the 70s and 80s. They're like, this is going to be an ecological disaster because you're wiping out all these trees and you're just digging these trenches and digging up the coal, you know, from these mountainsides. And then when it rains and floods, you know, you're just, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. You know? um, but if those mountains were sacred, the people wouldn't tolerate it, you know, because you can have both. You can have jobs and you can have sacred land. Yeah, we kind of sold our, I mean, I think about that a lot, like especially in the U.S. Did we like sell ourselves out or did we, how did we get on this wrong path where, um, or are we on a wrong path? You don't know, but it feels like there's some, there must be something more if so many people are looking for for meaning, I think, mm. and feeling, you know, something real. Mm. Um, and especially before we get so trapped into the digital universe that you can't even come out. I mean, there, a smile might be in a museum one day. You might have to go to a museum <laughs> to see a smile. I like the Museum of Smiles. But that'd be so crazy. Yeah, remember Rick? <laughs> You'd be right up there. Yeah, remember when Eddie got his first remember when his Eddie first touched, orgasm? Yeah, yeah, remember when Eddie got his first orgasm? He's just like, <laughs> it's not quite a smile. Okay, okay. Like okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's you it. go to the curator, like that's not technically a smile. It's a grimace of ecstasy, but it's not quite a smile. <laughs> like, hey, it's our biggest attraction, buddy. All right, calm down. That's Eddie's first <laughs> orgasm. I think too, like we're at. You know, we talked about people in the future looking back at this time when we talked about phones and distractions and boredom. But the other thing too is like the amount of disunity and the fact that America is so divided, 49% on each side, Democrat and Republican, and this partisanship and the how deadlocked it is and how much fighting there is. Um, and, it's, and it's really, it's so sad because we have so many problems that need fixing, you know, and you know, like Republicans might criticize Democrats like, oh, they're running their cities terribly and there's all this homelessness and they kind of mock it right on Fox News. And then the left does the same thing. They'll be like to find some other problem in Repu Republican states and like and then make fun of that. And it's like, why aren't we helping each other? Like, why why is partisanship become the de facto way to kind of do business? Like, mm. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not practical. It doesn't get shit done and it's not helping anyone. And we really need to move past it. I, you know, I was thinking about um, debates and uh, isn't it funny on, on a, like you watch a political debate and then immediately there's articles like an hour later, like who won the debate? And the reason that they say that they won the debate is they got more zingers in on the other person. 
And then that's who we elect is the person who is able to get more zingers in on the other person as if that's a leadership skill. Could you imagine you're running for class president as a senior in high school and like, you know, it's, it's, it's Bobby and Darren and like Bobby's like, well, Darren's got a, such an overbite, you know, he looks like a woodchuck. Ha 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 ha. Let's vote for him. Like, no, the teachers would never allow that. Like, so now what's your p- policy position? How are you going to help the school? Right. How are you going to fix Darren's teeth? <laughs> how, are you, how are we going to have a fundraiser for braces for Darren and his poor overbite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I agree. But yeah, it's, that is, well, the news, something happened when the news fell off. It used to feel like, and we talk about this sometimes on here, that you could rely on the news, right? Yeah. I feel like my parents and your parents probably felt like the news uh, had a general interest in the wellness of their viewer. Yeah. And now it does not, it feels like the news wants to be like a nicotine for their viewer. Um, right. And that uh, outrage keeps you watching. And if you read, if you look through like Yahoo News feed online, I'm not talking about like cable news, but it works in cable news too. If they keep you outraged, oh, yeah. they keep you coming back. Oh, people yeah. like they always end like the end of the news show like yeah. after the commercial you won't believe yeah what nope. this kid did to this man's face yeah with a baseball bat yeah after these messages this guy hit a two-run double on this senior <laughs> citizen You're like jesus oh, wow yeah that's a terrible yeah, baseball got, analogy yeah, some guy's dead yeah man's head Found locally, we'll be back, right? <laughs> After this. Still alive, and it'll say, st- and you're like, what? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> show a picture. Yeah, it makes you, but then like, there, you feel like there's a swing to everything. So it's like, are right. we just hopefully at this point of the pin, it, you know, we're at the out, and then there's a turn that we can't see that's coming, or that maybe we hope for, you know? Because I wonder if people have thought this way in the past as well. If people have felt as nervous about the future. Well, Civil War. Oh, that had to be definitely, huh? Yeah. I mean, that was, that that resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths, right? You ever um, hit any of the reenactments or anything? Probably not where you're from. You're from the Northwest, right? I'm from Seattle, yeah. We yeah. didn't have reenactments, but. You got to go to probably, some, dude. You probably, you'd fit right in. Oh, we, crowd. Dude, we'd be out there at the CWRs, bro. Freaking chilling, bro. What is the CWR? Civil War reenactment. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, just Did you did you all being from the South be like, okay, we're gonna need twenty Yankees and like, no. Yeah, oh, Theo. Yeah, Theo, you gotta be Yankee. I don't wanna be a fucking Yankee. Like the yeah. South will rise again. Like everyone wanted to be well, people kept a southerner. Pl- people played a lot of like southern music and shit, you know, mm-hmm. because the party was better for the South and the before that, like it was like the breakfast or whatever, the big breakfast they would do before the fight or whatever was definitely because the South loses every time, you know. There was one day where they kind of won, but it was like, um, you know, historically they've lost, and so. Yeah, sometimes you'd have groups from the north that would come and they would do it. It was like a big deal. Oh, you know? you'd have Yankee reenactors come down and, and yeah. do the southern reenactors. It's like a Renaissance fair kind of but a But they sorts. would know that they were going to win, so they'd be like, fuck y'all. Yeah, there was a lot of that. But there was also like, you know, afterwards everybody would have, you know, have a Michelobra Schlitz, you know, yeah. and try to like, sometimes they would do it around the same time as a Renaissance fair and people would come over and everybody try to like bang some chick from the Renaissance fair or something. Because they're you know? buxom. Oh, man. Right? God, did they? I'll say this about the Renaissance Fair, dude. Hot chicks. 
No, ch no chicks. Civil War reenactors, right? Zilch, None. dude. A lot of masturbation. A lot of people drawing cooter in the dirt and stuff. Yeah, and the, you know, and fucking woolly mammoth carcasses. Yeah, right and people, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people <laughs> writing "girl" on their buddy's butt. You know, like just a lot of like a lot of obtuse ideas yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh, Renaissance fair. God, oh yeah. I could see you at a Renaissance fair. I could. See Be you. honest. Yeah. Have I'll, you been to some? I have been. I'm a huge fan. I actually wrote uh, a, a pretty hysterical script called Renaissance Men, that comedy that took place at a Renaissance fair. Of course. Um, we tried to sell it for years. We tried to get it going, um, but it didn't really take off. It's very funny. Do you want to, would you like to be in it? Yeah. Could you find someone else to, to be in that? Yeah. Man or woman, you think? Man, it's a buddy comedy, two guys. Yeah. You could find someone to, else to be in it? Yep, what kind of guy does the other guy have to be? Well, I don't know. So there's one guy that's really intense mm -hmm. and takes a Renaissance fair like really seriously. Uh, he's yeah. a little bit more of a Dwight character and the other guy's more of a player mm -hmm. and like seducing the ladies and like doesn't take it as seriously. Yeah. I think you'd be the player guy. Yeah, who wants to throw an ax into my butt? You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're saying. I, I literally, I don't know what you mean. Get your motor running. Yeah. So maybe the music would be a little bit like from a different era, though. Yeah, that's that's not the right. Okay, it, it would be like a madrigal. Okay, like Rapunzel. Like let me go get Rapunzel. Like green sleeves. Mm. Alas, my love, you do me wrong to have cast me out so disdainfully. God, something beautiful about that. And I have loved you so long. I fare thee well with my hair so free. I don't know the rest of it, but. It sounds good, man. I'm serious. I'm going to send you the script. Yeah, I'd love to read it. I really would. That'd be an honor, actually. Because you guys, this new, you youngins, and your young podcast generation, you and Bert could do it. Oh, well, Bert just did a movie, too. Yeah. He just did a movie about the machine, about being the machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talk about, uh, you talk about faith. Mm -hmm. in your book yeah what's that been like for you and like i know and and hollywood a lot of times seems like there's not a lot of faith in it i mean it's a very business world you know and maybe the world is overall i don't want to just i pick on hollywood a lot good you um, should but it's very uh i don't know you know i like faith i like having something other than myself in the world i need it yeah i do too yeah um yeah it's i'll tell you something I was thinking about this the other day, like there's a lot of weirdos in the comedy world in Hollywood and everyone kind of prides themselves on being like, oh, I'm eccentric and I'm weird and this and that. And, but for me, it was always a little weird because I'd always want to talk about faith and God and the soul and life after death and kind of big concepts and whatnot. And the comedy world just did not know what to do with me. Like, who is this guy who's talking about God? It's the unsexiest, uncoolest thing to to talk about anywhere and but especially like in the too cool for school comedy world mm -hmm. so you've got all these eccentrics and misfits and losers as they describe themselves but then they also want to be cool they want to be like the cool kids in the lunchroom right the mm -hmm. cool kids table so it was it was always hard for me because i always wanted to talk about that stuff and people just didn't know what to do with that guy he's also weird that guy who plays dwight but then he talks about oh, spiritual God. topics and stuff well the gods must be crazy was a huge movie wasn't it <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it was. I remember somebody snuck that in our apartment when I was a kid, and we watched That's it. a South African movie about the... About the Coke bottle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that fell down from the sky. Yeah. 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 I was like, what is this even about? But we yeah. watched it probably 30 times. Family Man, have you seen that? Yeah, with uh, Nicolas Cage. God, is it good, huh? Yeah, I love that movie. Dude, I love that movie. I'm a big Family Man guy. I've never met another Family Man fan. I think it's terrific, and it kind of came and went. I think it's a Christmas classic. Me too. I played it for a girl at Christmas recently. Yeah. She didn't pay attention, fell asleep during it. Oh. And we don't date anymore. Good. Good. And that was it for me, brother. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Family Man. Oh, the one where the guy, uh, Quaid, talks with his th through the radio. Through the radio, yeah. 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 I loved that movie. Yeah. Right, that was good. The ghost of his father, like yes. through the radio. Yeah. God, that was powerful. That was good. Frequency. 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 God, that was good. Yeah. I mean, that hit me right in the freaking heart nuts, man. Um, But you were talking about God and faith and... Um, yeah, I don't the, think it turns people off. I think people are desperate for it. Well, it, it's, it's a different day now. It's a different age. And it's funny because I just did Bert Bert's podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, his is a lot bigger than yours. Like in what studio size? No, like numbers. Like he's his his is huge. Oh, you're making that up. Yeah, I'm just trying. Oh, yeah. I'm, try okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying to incite something. <laughs> oh, you were, and you are a little bit, and you are, and I like I was, it. Dude. I was getting, yeah, I was getting it. I like yeah. it. I have no idea. That hurt. But I just know that you guys are very, very popular. No. But it was so great because Bert. It was so refreshing because he's like. Oh, you wrote a book on spirituality? That's so cool. Um, what do you talk about? I'm like, oh, I talk about God. And he's like, I love God. God is awesome. I totally believe in God. I love God. Ugh. You know, and he's like, and, and it and was like, that sound. it was, <laughs> yeah, it was so cool to hear that from like a top comedy guy who was just able to just say, you know, it's a different, it's a different time right now. And I think because things aren't working out so well and we see big problems and, People are turning, and, and this is what Soul Boom is about. I want it up on that shelf one of these days. You know what? I'll brother. put it up. I'll Actually, you know what? I'll put it in front of this book for a while. You put it in front of Jordan Peterson? Yeah, I'd be glad oh. to. Oh, thank you. I really I really uh, enjoyed the 50 pages that I read. All right. I, yeah. hope, I hope you'll read the next 50. I think there's a lot of things we talk about it in here. But I think people are, are more open to spiritual ideas because the other, you know, political solutions and economic and legislative kind of it's not working mm -mm. you know it's not where things are breaking down and people feel that right it's let us down you know i think it's you know people used to feel a sense of purpose more we were talking about this a few weeks ago with the school shootings and stuff i think some of the reasons why you get these folks is you have people that have no sense of purpose right they don't get it through their job anymore because it's a lot of big companies and there's not the the place in your town that makes like you know, your favorite shoes. My dad works at the shoe company and we wear the shoes my dad makes. And there's a sense of pride that like right. a place was connected to a product, yeah. you know, and it was, and you're part of your personality was in it. And you went into work because you knew your kid was going to be wearing the thing and you wanted to have a, you wanted to fucking get home and see, have a sense of something in the home when you yeah. got there, you know? Yeah. Um, and just like, there's no sense of purpose through work. A lot of people don't have a family. They're not, are not in love or loved. And so you don't have a sense through love of purpose. But, uh, but, but let me add to that, mm -hmm. okay? And this is has to do with religion. Like so much of America has turned away from religion and so many young people have. And for a good reason, there's, been a, lot, there's a lot of shitty things about organized religion. 
Oh, um, a lot of pervs out there. A lot of, you know, a lot of big dogs, you know, touching kiddos and, you know, being molesters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, church can be very judgmental, you know, of people, you know, gays and lesbians and, and whatnot. And they can, it, it can, it can, you know, cause a lot of disunity in, in ways. But we, people have also lost purpose as they've lost their sense of, uh, of the community that, uh, religious faith can give, you know, because what does religion give you? It gives you community, mm -hmm. a, a, a shared sense of purpose, you know, transcendence, love, like service, like service projects. You know, I have friends that are part of churches or in my own Baha'i faith, you know, going out and doing service projects on the weekend together, working together side by side, praying together, common prayer, yeah. singing together, right? Potlucks, like just like there's... Oh. We've we've jettisoned everything having to do with religion, but there are, are a lot of positives that come from that world. Oh, potlucks alone, pretending having to pretend somebody's casserole is good to their yeah. face, dude. Yeah, yeah. And the good casseroles are taken like right off the bat. Oh yeah. Like someone comes in with like a tater tot and cheese casserole with ground beef, oh. and it's like whoop, the pan is dry. As soon as it turns eighteen, brother, it is <laughs> off the table. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but, but someone else brought. You know the green bean salad, like with soaked jello in, in it, vine yeah, and yeah. vinegar, <laughs> and uh, and it's like there's plenty of that left. Uh -huh. <laughs> Why don't you have some of the green bean salad? The tater tots are gone, but dig in. There's a bird. There's like a walk, not even eating it, just walking on it. Like, oh, this is bad. But no, I agree. A sense of community. Those are things that I love about church. You see a sense of community. You know, kids get to see each other on the weekend. It's things like that. Yeah, you get that in twelve step meetings. Yeah. Oh, a ton of it. Yeah. It's why I go, man. Camaraderie and, you It's know. why I go. Yeah. I see people that care about me yeah. and that I care about. I forget. There's a, I have a forgetter in me that my heart has a quick forgetter in it. Mm. You know, um, it forgets that I care about people in a way and I got to see them, you know? But the second I walk into an A meeting, I see like, oh, Jimmy's getting a year chip today. And man, and I've seen him in 50 meetings and I'm fucking, it's like I'm his, like I'm his actual blood brother. And I couldn't be more happy for him. Mm, that's you know? beautiful. Yeah, there's just something about it, you know, being yeah. in a place like that. There's things like AA and, and recovery meetings that make uh, that make me feel hopeful about society. Right, right. You know, and that, and I love the way that uh, twelve step meetings are run. Like, there's no leaders. Yeah, <clears throat> there's no clergy. There's no one in charge. Mm -mm. Um, there's no uh, kings or presidents or, or or anything. There's it's just the inmates running the asylum. You know, and you. You elect them every couple months and someone's in charge of the phone list and someone's in charge of the book table. And, you know, um, it's beautiful. You're like, oh, we're all, you know, there, we, there's no leaders that are only trusted servants. Yeah. 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 And that, and stuff like that gives you hope for the future, you know? Um, but it's interesting. And I don't want this to be like a conversation that's like dour, you know, because also you have your show that is kind of a search for happiness, kind of. And I found it to be uh, real charming, kind of, you know, like here's a guy going to see where people are happy and why. Yeah. So um, do you want to talk about that at all? I would love to talk about that. Okay. So The Geography of Bliss is a travel show coming out in late May on the Peacock Network, which is where the office is, mm -hmm. where it lives and breathes. Uh, and doesn't die. It just keeps on chugging I think it along. Ever could. Apparently, we we thought it was dead 
upon arrival. But anyways, it keeps chugging along. And but the geography of bliss is, um, and I never thought I'd have a better show than The Office. I really, really, because nine seasons, two hundred episodes, everyone got along, made a big impact, was funny as hell. It's great character, great money, like fun, fun people everywhere. Oh yeah, I saw Kevin scoping chicks at a club once. Did you? And it was like the best time ever. <laughs> <Nice>. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but didn't you almost have a show right before The Office that didn't go through? Yes, that, that's good. Good memory. Yeah. I was supposed to be on this <clears throat> Janine Garofalo uh, TV show. And we did it. And on the way to the table read for it, I ran into this TV executive. And he's like, oh, I'm so excited. We're going to do the American version of The Office. And I had seen the English version. I loved it. And I was like, in, I was outside. I was like, oh, that's great. Inside, I was like, fuck, I want to be on that. Like, okay, you got to go to the table read for this Janine. And Janine's lovely. It's not about her. But the pilot was very good. We read the pilot. Bob Odenkirk was in it. Me and Bob Ooh, Odenkirk. Nice man. Um, and uh, Mark Marin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it went so, the read through went so bad, they pulled the plug on the spot. By the wow. time I got home, they were like, they're not shooting it. They it's closed done. the donuts up they, even, huh? And I was like, inside, I was like, I get to audition for The Office. Sure enough, month later, auditioned for The Office and got, and got Dwight a few months after that. So had I gotten, so you never know, kiddies. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes a rejection and a disappointment is a good thing, and it just is a, a path forward where other doors can open. Oh, yeah. What they say, sucks to lose a limb until you're in a um, one-legged contest. Are there a lot of one-legged contests? I'm not sure. Can you Google that? Bob, uh, Kid Rock has a one-legged brother. And every time I see him, I say, man, you'd think with all the money you have, you'd buy your brother another a fucking prosthetic leg. leg yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. Or an android leg. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. You know, yeah. like a bionic thing. Yeah, like a leg saber. Do you remember the bionic man? Mm-mm. A leg saber. You never saw the bionic man? Uh-uh. Oh, it was great. I loved Little House in the Prairie. We loved a lot of Michael Landon stuff. We loved a lot of... Um, Bonanza? Going no. Way back. After Bonanza. Post Bonanza? Mm-hmm. I did like All in the Family because, and I like the Jeffersons. I like good times. Temporary layoff. Is it great or rip off? Good times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So the Geography of Bliss is a show where I travel (laughs) around the world and I look for happiness in other cultures. So it's like Anthony Bourdain, but it's about happiness, not Mm -hmm. food. And we went to Iceland, Bulgaria. Ghana, West Africa, Thailand, and then back here in Los Angeles. And it's so fun, man. I love these kind of conversations, having deep, meaningful, but fun and silly conversations. And um, it's a it's a terrific show. It's really uplifting. Um, it's inspiring and hopeful. People need some hope these days. Remember I told you that's your divine responsibility? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It's yeah. yours too. I think it's why we're even having this conversation because we're curious about hope, you know? Yeah. People need hope. It's a precious and depleted resource, and uh, there's a lot of pessimism out there, and we gotta we gotta turn that pessimism around and uh, make people believe that there is a bright day, there is a Star Trek future for humanity, where we can all get along and work together and solve problems 
and make the world a better place. We do it, we start small, we start on a podcast, you start in a family, you start in a cul-de-sac, and you spread out from there, and then you bring it to your workplace. But uh, we're not gonna do it with the the way the current media system is, and, and we're not gonna do it with the way that the current political partisan politics system works in our country. It's uh, it's killing us, it's yeah. killing us. Well, some of it could be changed. I mean, one thing that even podcast started was because people felt like they couldn't get through into like sitcoms, talented comedians felt like they couldn't get opportunities. You know, I'm not saying just me, but even like predecessors in podcasting, they wanted to have a place to have a voice, right? Yeah. Because even acting is just a way you want to be able to have a place to put yourself in the world. Yeah. You want to be able to have a, a voice, even if it's a physical voice. Yeah. You know, um, so that's why that started. And that's made conversations more long form and been able to get uh, people's points across. Like I remember seeing Bernie Sanders on Joe Rogan, right? And I've always been of the ilk that I think they should have to have one candidate you shouldn't be able to pick a, if you're a Republican, you shouldn't be able to pick a Republican vice president. You should have to have a Democratic vice president right? and vice versa. So that that way you're always in contention of an idea. Yeah. So you have to figure out the best idea between the two of you in order to get it enacted or yeah. move it forward. Kind right. force people to work together. Right. Like I would have loved probably a Trump, uh, Bernie ticket, right? Because be they, you're right. You're going to see two totally. They would have throttled each other. They wouldn't have been at each other. I agree. Trump would have crushed him like a like a stick insect. And that would have just cost them the, uh, the possibility of maybe getting elected, but you maybe. would have had to see two guys that were different yeah. have to figure it out together, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, but I remember listening to Bernie Sanders on Joe Rogan. It was the first time I got to hear him in a long form. I didn't hear a clip that the media said. I didn't hear right. like a two-minute rebuttal on a... Um, it was Joe Rogan. It's four and a half hours long, so you got to hear Oh, dude, day. yeah, you were there. All day. Yeah. You put it on when you go to sleep and you wake up and it's still on. <laughs> You'd love being in there, man. Have you ever been on there? No, man. It no. would be, you guys would have a really neat conversation. I, I don't think. I don't smoke pot. I don't do ayahuasca. That's a good point. Does but that I, disqualify me? No, he doesn't do ayahuasca either, but he, uh, you just have to say, I don't And smoke I don't pot. wrestle. Oh, no, it doesn't disqualify you. I don't, I mean, I tried to wrestle for a year, but I kept getting hurt so badly. And then I don't smoke pot. And then I'll do ayahuasca, but I don't know. I mean, some people consider that different, you know, have different thoughts about sobriety and that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't done it in over a year, but I would maybe do it again. I found it to be really, really helpful mm. and really ties you back to nature in a lot of ways. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, what were we talking about? Bernie Sanders podcasts. But I got to different hear voice. Him. Yeah. And I listened to the whole thing. And at first I would have been like, maybe would I listen to Bernie Sanders? I don't know. But I I was like, oh, this is. He has some great ideas. It's like, I get to know this guy. Yeah. Right? Whether you like his idea or whatever. It's just like, oh, I feel like I get to know this guy. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, But what's been, uh, what was like, where did you find some of the best happiness you think in the places you've been? Was there one place that kind of, or anything you noticed over the course of uh, the places you went? I, I saw happiness all over, which was great. I, it's so funny because happiness in I when I saw it, when I saw like real profound, blissful joy, it was always about connection with other people. It was always about connection. Like you talk about the 12 step meetings, like it was in a family or in a community or, uh, 
with some kind of service project or it's it's people connecting, you know? And that's why COVID was so devastating. Like, mm. it isolated us all. We need connection. We thrive in connection, you know? And, uh, but the happiest place, and it's my favorite place on the planet, is Iceland. I mm. fucking love Iceland. Have you been there? Mm-mm. It's so cool. I mean, everyone <laughs> goes there. I mean, it's very popular. Um, yeah, the bright light. Uh, people go see the bright lights, right? Yeah, the the, the people at night. Yeah, the 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 aurora borealis. Oh yeah, I saw dude. those. I went to Greenland and I got to see those. But it's like watching Mother Nature. Do Iceland like a is. No. Um, Iceland is just do like image search. You're on image search. Can you scroll through them? Can you just go through? Ooh, look at that. Um, oh, look at those children in Iceland. Go look at them. Look at them. Look at those. Look how happy they are. God, they're happy. Visit Iceland, official tourist info for Iceland. But there's a pretty Icelandic woman. Yeah. (gasps) Wait, let's look at travel to Iceland with diabetes. Oh, yeah. Go down one more, down one more. (laughs) That's not something (laughs) I thought I would see is traveling to Iceland with diabetes. Let's go there, brother. Can we click on it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that. So I've been five times to Iceland. Five times. It's so beautiful, you can't even believe it. Mm. Black sand beaches, glaciers, volcanoes, uh, waterfalls. Everywhere. I remember one time I took my family, we went camping there, like in a camper van. Mm-hmm. And then we were like driving down the road and we're like, oh my God, look at that waterfall. And we're like, eh. And I realized like, we just drove by a 200 foot waterfall. And we were like, meh. Because we've yeah. seen 1,000 foot waterfalls, yeah. you know? And uh, it's so gorgeous. Uh, the people are are wonderful. Uh, the food is expensive as hell. Really? Oh yeah. I yeah. had a I had a pizza. I think it cost like eighty bucks once. Does it cost a lot to warm it up or something? Well, we when we were in the camper van, it was mm-hmm. great because we would go to the grocery stores and we would get like ramen and spaghetti and oatmeal oh, and yeah. make salads and and we would just kind of eat and 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 then maybe once a day we'd get like an expensive meal. The fish is fantastic there, but. It's so beautiful. There's whale watching. Um, it, it's I, I can't say enough good things about it. But the people are happy there. One of the reasons the people are happy is, and I, I don't know if a lot of your viewers are going to like this or not, but they trust their government. Mm. They, they believe in their government, and there's a social safety net because you pay a shit ton of taxes, but the education is first rate. There's the health care is through the roof. They will take care of you when you're sick. Mental health, um, the roads, the bridges, everything is taken care of. And it just works, wow. you know? And so you have, and in talking to Icelanders, like they, there was this trust. They feel like, oh, I can, if I get sick, I can take some time off and then I'm protected by by regulations. I'll be able to get my job back. And I, you know, the, the, there's this, this net of government is there for, they believed like it was there for them. Right. You know, and we're, we've since the Vietnam War and over the last several decades, our trust in government has gone down. And, you know, truth be told, our government is not working in in, in huge ways. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of taking care of our highways and potholes and, and, you know, maybe our street lights, but not a whole lot more than that. And it's, yeah, I mean, even the US postal system, even the one person from the government that stopped by your house every day, yeah, who you could give a cookie to, or get yeah. a pat on the head. Yeah. And it wasn't even molesting people. You never heard postal people molesting. 
Yeah. Never. You can even pull down their pants and write girl <laughs> on their back. and yeah. They, yeah, you don't ever and it hear somebody licking a stamp and put it on some kid's wiener. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You just <laughs> never... It never happened. Yeah. And they... And, they, and uh, Amazon... or They messed the postal systems going yeah. back. It's just... Yes, we've let the government really... I try and be really nice to the postal workers. Oh, same. Yeah. God bless you. You're working so hard oh. for like just above minimum wage. And you were Santa to us when I was a kid. It was like, oh, right? here he goes. Now it's like, who cares? Oh, the, the postman's here. Who cares? The Amazon guy's here. Yeah. Oh, new headphones. And the postman is just like that ex-girlfriend, man. In the arms. Just walking back to Tori Amos's house somewhere. Mm. <laughs> God, it hurts, man. Mm. But yeah, it's like there were institutions that we had, that we had some pride. Do you, what do you think happened with our government? You know, um, what do you think happened? Like you said, like after Vietnam War, I know there was like a lot of contention, like between Americans that thought it was good and bad to be there. You know, I remember seeing Forrest Gump, but what I, do you, bl I blame it on partisanship. Really? I really do. Yeah. And what does that mean when you say partisanship? I'm not sure what it is. Um, um, that's uh, the kind of uh, Republican versus Democrat. Okay, me and saying me versus you. Me versus you, seeking power mm -hmm. above all. Mm. Um, would rather see, I'll never forget like when Obama got elected and Rush Limbaugh was like, I hope he fails. Wow. I hope he fails because I'm against his policies and I want him to not succeed. And I was like, wow, you want, because I want, even if Trump get elected and I wasn't a huge fan, but Trump, I wanted him to succeed. Yeah. I didn't want him to fail. I right. wanted him to make lives better and to help fix things. And I was kind of hoping, oh, maybe he'll fix some broken things. Uh, but think yeah. about every election cycle, Theo. Think about this. How much money is spent on campaign ads? It's insane. Banner ads. like, And where's all that money going? It's going into the coffers of MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and all of these media outlets that we don't trust because they're so partisan and they have such an agenda and they're getting rich from it and they're gonna stay polarized because they're making so much money from it. But what if you just took all of that hundreds of millions of dollars, what if you had no com campaign finance, you had government campaign financing, right. you weren't able to kind of like raise and spend money willy nilly and you took all that money and put it towards, you know, fixing things, yeah. you know, schools and hospitals and, and, and whatnot, yeah, environmental giving teachers cleanup. a raise, giving nurses a raise. Yeah, exactly. You had an announcement one day, it was like, hey, we're gonna give every nurse a $2,000 raise this year, or every teacher a 2,000. You know how excited everybody would be? It'd be great. The, um, the, uh, you know the water for him? The first aid, um, actually, can I take a pee break? Mm -hmm. Let's pee, and then we'll wrap up, actually. We'll All right, another. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, gotta, uh, I gotta pack, I gotta leave tomorrow morning for a two and a half week. Book tour. Really? Yeah. Whew. It's exciting. All over. Have you written a book? You have like a comedy book? I never have. I've written some a lot of chapters for a book about growing up and uh some comedy stories about different experiences and stuff. Yeah. You know? Your book would do you would do really well. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's really I, awesome I to sit stories. here with you, man. Oh, it's my it's it's awesome for me, man. I love your stories about growing up and the, your stories about kids at school. Like, we had a kid in our in our school. You always have those. Oh yeah, those great. Well, the first Asian ones. kid we ever had, or allegedly had. You know, we had. Um, remember how Pizza Huts had those unique rooftops on them? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Diamond shaped. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of those burnt down right in Slidell, Louisiana, right? Okay. And so, and the uh, the roof had fallen flat on the ground, kind of like at a little bit of an angle. Right. And people, like said, Asian people lived there, you know? Okay. So we heard about it. Yeah. And we got a taxi over there to go look, and it was just a... um. You literally called a taxi? Yeah. Well, we saved up money. We saved $17 to take a taxi there. That's them. Yeah. God. And you looked for Asian people inside of it? We'd never seen it before. Yeah. Burned down. When it's on the ground, flush on the ground, it has a very kind of look of the Orient. Do you know how they cook pizzas at Pizza Hut? Have you ever seen that? Last time I went in there, it's all automated. Oh. It's a, they just take, they t- unwrap it from mm-hmm. the plastic and they put it on a thing. It's like at one of those like, hotels and it just goes through the oven on the conveyor belt and mm-hmm. it comes out done oh yeah that's how the, that's how they used to do it i think did they always do it that way it was like the little rolling thing it was just like kind of yeah. like these things and it just kept moving forward yeah but it used to be a pretty long oven is it really short now or something i think it was a long oven yeah, yeah i love those pizza was good when i was young it was the real it was that's, a we used to go to the one on ballinger way look up the pizza hut on ballinger way lake forest park washington I don't know if it's still there. I think it's a Thai restaurant now. Speaking of Asian people. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'll start a restaurant in anything. Ballinger Way. Asian people, they'll start a restaurant in anything. Um, no. Is there a, a lot of beautiful Asian thing? people up in uh, Washington. Yeah. Um, Is there one on Ballinger Way? No. Oh, it's closed down. God, but you know what? Just look under images and see if they have any. Let's get an old image of it. Somebody took a snapshot of it. There, there you go on the left. Probably it right there. Yeah. Oh, and there's my mom's Ford Festiva out front. She used to drive that deal. Yeah. God, it was so small. Three cylinders. Oh. And one of the cylinders was just us in the back seat going, <laughs> and she could beat us from that. Like the front seat was so close to, she could beat everybody like she was playing the drums, dude. Why don't they have cars with pedals? Like Flintstones kind of, but like just to get like a two cylinder car. Yeah. But then everyone in the back seat is doing this oh, just to help it along, good. kind of. And you get your workout. We're also fat. Yeah. As Americans, like, right? Win win. Oh. Well, that's almost an example of everything that we've been talking about, like, or some of the stuff that would help solutions humanity. Okay. Is if we, every, there was some sense of a need for a vested interest. And if people felt like they were contributing, you know? Right. Um, right yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's tough, you know, with this broken political system. I think, you know, in my, faith traditions called the Baha'i faith. Mm -hmm. There are um, elections, and it's kind of like a 12-step meeting. It's it's a little different, but you elect um, what's called a local spiritual assembly to to guide the affairs of of your local community. And every year you do that, and you write down names, silent ballot. Mm. And you pray and meditate, and you think, who's the wisest, most mature people to kind of help steer forward the Baha'i community here in Los Angeles or whatever. You ponder it, and there's maybe a master list of everyone who lives there, and you write them down. And There's no campaigning. There's no yard signs. There's no money spent. No one says, I think I would make a good assembly member, and here's why. Um, It's all done silently, and then you put them in the envelope, and then the tellers count them, and then nine people are elected. 
Like, why couldn't you do that in a small town? Could you do that in Covington, Louisiana? Yeah. Could you, could you have people like no campaigning, no one, no proselytizing, no aggrandizing, no one saying like I should be the the mayor or what have you, and and just have people gather at the local high school football stadium and uh, write down who they think would best serve the affairs of the people of Covington, Louisiana. Mm. Yeah, I think that it, that that could happen. You know, I think it's probably and obviously it's, you know, it's hypothetical because you look at, a you know, obviously America is much bigger. But, yeah, you start to think what system could be different. I think a lot of people are wondering now what system could be different. I think a lot of people think that it's the system we have is isn't helping us. You know, um, I think. Yeah, you start to wonder how could it be Because better. I'm glad you're saying that because it's it really is like we keep slapping band-aids on a broken system. And yeah. if the system is broken, it's it's no good. You know, it's like, well, we'll change this policy or we'll pass this bill or we'll get an increased funding for this and it's just like slapping band-aids mm-hmm. on, you know, on a on a boat full of buckshot. Well, I think you have to have guys maybe possibly you have to have someone they always that you hear anyway that electing an independent candidate, getting one of them into the runoff would shake up the the way that the sure. funds are distributed. You also have some interesting guys now like Bobby Kennedy Jr., right? Yeah. So he's um he is a Democrat, but he has his He's anti vaccine. But I know he's that. anti yeah, he's like uh yeah, he's anti is he an anti vaxxer? He I think is, so. He, he raised a lot of questions. He's raised a ton the, of concern about But the I think vaccine. he was anti-vax before COVID. I think he's like- didn't He's an like, environmentalist. So he's always yeah. been about the environment. He's always been about, let's test things before we move them forward, right? Um, I mean, he has a book, he's against Dr. Fauci, you know? So it's yeah. like, he's definitely in that world, right? Um, but it's interesting because he's going to run the democratic ticket, right? I think you're starting to get, hopefully you're going to start to get candidates that are different- it's got to start to expand at some yeah. point because yeah. it feels very railroaded. But isn't, and that's true. Like if, if we open it up and you had like, let's say you had Joe Rogan run or you had Mark Cuban run or, you know, some really interesting kind of thought leaders or yes. businessmen or entrepreneurs, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But the system is still, I want the power. I'm going to raise a shit ton of money. I'm going to go around doing all these fundraising dinners. I'm going to be spending all these money on these media outlets because I want the power for me and my coterie. And we're going to try and put down you and your little coterie of friends. We're still in that mode where we're not really in the mode of public service. You know, they're public servants. They should be serving the public. Mm. So how do we just get out of that whole campaigning thing Altogether is what I say. Now, maybe I'm being naive and people are probably rolling their eyes and like, oh, you hippie, you know, but. Uh, but no, it's okay to have. That's a great. It's a. Yeah. I agree. Because people it, are sick of all the wasted money, the fucking bullshit, the desperation by these parties to get your vote, the pandering to poor people with fear videos and all of this and using classes and cultures as uh, puppets and keeping people in certain places just so they'll continue to vote for you. Like, I think everyone's exhausted. I think the heart of the world is, you know, has arteriosclerosis, you know? It feels that way. Mm. And that's okay. Look, if that's okay, if you and I are sitting and talking about that, and I like that your book makes me think about that. Yeah. You know, cool. and not just the negative sides of it or the problems. Yeah. But um, but I talk at the end of my book, I have a chapter called Seven Pillars for a Spiritual Revolution, and I offer some tangible solutions, some things. 
And one of them is what we talked about before, which is hope. And I said, foster joy and squash cynicism. Because as long as we stay cynical and pessimistic, nothing gets done. If everyone's sitting back just like, oh, it's a pile of shit, it'll never work, like then nothing will change. And it's just gonna get worse, actually. So that's a really deadly trap. And it's it's super important that we, you know, we as entertainers, as storytellers, you know, we try and foster joy in people, give them hope, and uh, and don't let ourselves get cynical too. Mm. You get cynical sometimes. You fight on. You fight against cynicism. Oh yeah, I battle the dark arts. I battle self pity sometimes, okay. which is a unique way that uh, cynicism kind of sneaks into you. I find. Yeah, you know, is mm-hmm. me just that you know. Um, so I just have to stay 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 on top of it. Yeah, you know, and it's a misery brigade. Yeah, it yeah, does, and it yeah. does get to be there, you Victimine, know? Victimine, and yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of people doing good stuff out there, and that's another way to look at things and to wake up and think, hey. Uh, you know, there was a guy, I wrote about this guy in my book, Um, this guy named Callum Greaves, and he works with Greta Thunberg and with a lot of youth ambassadors for climate change, and whatever you think about Greta Thunberg, putting that aside, really brilliant guy, and he said to me, you know, I work on clean air because everyone can agree on clean air. Some people on this side of the political spectrum might not think that man-made CO2 is causing climate change or that it people are being extremist and, and whatnot. And people on this side, you know, have different opinions, but clean air is something everyone can get behind. Mm, yeah. You know, you reduce, you don't want kids to get a- asthma, right? You want your grandkids to have clean air. You know, when you when you go to the grave, and that is a precious point of unity from both sides. And then it's win-win because CO2 does get reduced, but you're also really focusing on the human story, which is making air cleaner for kids. So that's a way to look at like solving a solution like climate change. Like if we all just work together on clean air, mm-hmm. like we would fix climate change. Right, letting these kids lung up and feel comfortable and happy. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, man. I can't. I, I don't know if I'll finish the whole book, but I'm going to try at least go to the seven pillars right. at the end. I appreciate that. I'm yeah. going to. Uh, if you ever want me to read it to you, like a bedtime bedtime story or something like that, I can do that as well. Facetime. Yeah. yeah. Just put me on your pillow, and I'll read it to you. you I can love just, like, that. You can snuggle <laughs> up. <laughs> it's been a pleasure lunging up with you. I like that lung up. Yeah, man. Um, I'm such a big fan. I love your stuff, and so funny and weird and wonderful and uh i think you're doing great things and it's just a pleasure to be in this room with you and your friend yeah the zachary alex yeah um thank you man and thank you for all the years of entertainment and also now all the years of thought you know that you're uh you know it's like the second organ inside you know it's like you got our uh brains now you're going after our hearts and our brains you know Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I like that. it, man. Rain Wilson, man. Uh, anytime, man. Uh, and we'll get the book and we'll put it up right here. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Soul Bloom, guys. It'll Boom. be. Boom. Yeah, so Sorry. Soul Bloom, guys. It's available now or it'll be available soon. And um, Rain Wilson. Now I'm just floating on the breeze and I feel I'm falling like these leaves. I must be cornerstone.